you know who we are, but you don't know why we're here. Or you do. Welcome back to another. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome back to another edition of Stardust Press Podcast. Had to show some love to Scott Hall. uh, Do the little WCW intro promo like thing. Uh, Because, you know, he passed. Usually, I I don't like to talk about deaths on the show, but... I mean, whenever they're, like, important to me, I like to, you know, just kind of, like, skim over it a little bit because I absolutely love Scott Hall. Uh, Scott Hall's, like, one of the first wrestlers I remember, like, older wrestlers because I was, like, born in 02. So, like, he was, like, one of the You're first. You're, like, five years old. <laughs> I turned 20 this year, and it's going to suck. I feel so fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, 13 yesterday. Sucks, but uh, he's like one of the first older wrestlers I took a liking to because he was just the definition of a cool wrestler. Uh, literally, uh, when I got in trouble a lot as a kid, so I got sent to my dad's in a, like another state, and he had like I don't know if you remember this, but uh, before the network, uh, Comcast used to have a something that was called a WWE twenty four seven, and it was like an on demand oh, thing where they like uploaded random stuff. They yeah, to, I remember like, that being advertised like yeah, way yeah. back in the day. Like, yeah. years ago. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's God. We're old. If we <laughs> if we mention this to like an average fan of like AWWE now, they are gonna have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> oh no, not at all. They're just like, what the fuck is yeah. WWE twenty four seven? You're like, mate, you yeah. don't even know. <laughs> but uh, what I was trying to get at is they had the whole series of the Monday Night Wars where they would upload uh, first it would be it would have a section for it and one would be the Raw episode for that week and one would be the Nitro episode so like I got to kind of watch basically all of the Monday Night Wars and like Scott Hall is just the fucking man I love Scott Hall Uh, you know sad but you know wrestling power he's coolest ever I'm sorry like coolest wrestler ever uh, I don't think there's been a wrestler as cool as Scott Hall since then, honestly. Dude, him and Kevin Nash, the t- like one and two coolest wrestlers of all time. Yeah, because they're like the only cool wrestlers <laughs> that's ever existed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but like he, I mean, it's sad, but it's, I mean, think about the comeback that he had because he had all those problems and, you know, he probably got longer out of life than people probably would have expected him to after all his issues and mm-hmm. at least he did get to have that closure going to the hall of fame you know you know kind of just uh rewrite history you know redeem himself a bit uh sad feel feel really bad for uh all his friends especially nash like the post when uh the day up before like anything was official and he was on life support was just <clears throat> terrible uh just terrible I feel very bad for him. And uh, Bret Hart made that post. It uh, was probably probably very true where he was like, uh, I'd like to think if back in the day we didn't have to wrestle like 300 days a year and got to be at home more with our families that most of the wrestlers that were with me around that time would still be here. And, you know, that's probably fair. You got to think about it. Whenever you talk about issues with guys from the past, they were in an era where you were on the road 300 days a year and if you didn't work you basically lost your spot like even when it didn't help that they were all drinking and doing drugs as well at that time yeah because they were always (laughs) in pain and there was nothing to do on the road yeah they were away from their families like even when uh steve austin broke his neck in the match against owen hart 
he came the very next night to Raw, even though he couldn't wrestle because he was getting pushed, and if he didn't show up, he was going to lose his spot. It, it was very much that mentality, but anyway, I just want to get that out of the way. You know, Scott Hall's the man. Uh, but as far as other stuff we're talking about uh, this week, we watched the Noah show that happened. Uh, I think it's Great Voyage in Yokohama, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, we watched two matches from the New Japan Cup because I wanted to watch Shima versus Goto, and we didn't know what else was happening this week, so we said, sure. Bet's a and loser. And I just like to suffer. <laughs> yeah, Bet's a loser, so she watched the whole show. So <laughs> I, I was off work ill. Geek. There was nothing else on. I'm not a New Japan fan. <laughs> Geek. Uh, and then randomly we decided to watch a random episode of WWF Raw. Uh, best decision we haven't made this week. <laughs> yeah, I cannot wait till we get into this. So much happened on that show. <laughs> Hopefully I can remember all the backstage segments and uh, advertisements because, uh, God. You know what? I uh, was a really good journalist and I made notes for the first oh, time Oh, good, 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 good. Of all the segments that happened. <laughs> That's great because I was like, God, I should write this down, but it's like 12 o'clock in the morning. I'm packing. I can't. <laughs> Uh, I, mean, I don't know what like advertisements they had, but I've got like every. Dog. Oh, I know an advertise. I remember <laughs> one advertisement from the show, and I cannot wait to talk about it. <laughs> uh, but first, let's get let's get the New Japan Cup. Uh, you know, uh, we we said when the tournament got announced, I was like, God, I really hope Shima politics his way to get a deep run in this tournament, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I love that for him, honestly. Yeah. Also, him versus Goto was really, really good. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I mean, I I thought it'd be good anyway, this match. But... Yeah, because they're both good. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, but I wasn't expecting it to be that good. Like, this is probably, like, one of the favorite matches that I've seen from New Japan this year. So... Yeah, and it involves somebody not signed to them. <laughs> yeah, so that says a lot. <laughs> Great. Save them once again. Uh, Shima was really working hard in this match. <laughs> Usually he just kind of goes through the motions, but he was working hard, and Goto very much worked hard right back to, you know, because there were only two singles matches on the show was uh, them and then the main event. So, uh, you know, they both worked super hard. Uh, and Goto's a heavyweight tag champion, so him beating Shima was believable, but Shima, master politician, did not let that happen. <laughs> he uh, said, I am not going over. <laughs> he said, I will kick out of everything and you will lose to me. Oh, uh, oh your champion? Yeah, great. Heavyweight <laughs> tag champion? Who 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 you team with? Yoshihashi? Ha. <laughs> who who who's yeah. in this tag division? Who? I'm happy the, for the, you, but the the dangerous techers? What does that mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> he hit him with the dog. Shima murked him with this double meteora. First the one to the back of the head. And then uh so Goto's sitting down in the middle of the ring. Shima's on the other side of the ring on the apron behind Goto in springboards dives across the ring and meteoras him in the back of the head that already made me cringe and then Shima goes to the other apron and does the proper springboard meteora and gets the win I'm like Jesus Christ he killed this man for absolutely no reason I'm like Shima this is a third round match you just calm down <laughs> yeah well, yeah but uh Shima moves on to the uh lead eight I think it is uh which is good uh I hope he makes it to the finals or wins the tournament, but I doubt it. Uh, uh, it'd be really funny if he did win, though. I thought that'd be the funniest option. I think that'd be the best option. Because, I mean, if somebody's going to face, since he's facing Okada next round, 
Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, I'd imagine whoever beats Okada is technically going to win the cup because it would be stupid to have somebody beat Okada, then somebody else win the cup. Because, I mean, yeah, they won the cup, but this person beat the champion, so shouldn't they be first in line? I mean, it's... that's what you'd think, but... Yeah. It's New Japan, so I don't know. Uh, but in the main event, Taichi and Okada had another one of their matches. Uh, I think they worked very well together. Uh, I, I liked one of their previous matches uh, they had, uh, and there was either one or two. I think they had two more after, and I just wasn't too fond of it because Okada was so lazy. Like, this man, up until this year's Wrestle Kingdom, Okada has been lazy for the past four years, so any matches his, his have been, like, going through the motions. But in this one, I think this was easily their best one because Okada was working hard. Taichi always works hard when they need him to step up. Uh, really good match. I love that Taichi's gimmick as he's evolved as a you know high-ranked singles wrestler is I'm going to do 90s All Japan moves, but it makes sense for me to do it because I was trained by Kawada. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, he done the, like, Taue Noah, the Toshi, just everything. Uh of course, Okada wins because, yeah, he does. And uh, he faces Shima next round, and I hope Shima beats him. <laughs> uh, you know what? I hope he does, just because it'd be the funniest option that New Japan could do. It'd be sick. Also, because Shima does the shine, and uh, Okada's neck sucks, so he could just drop him right on his head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, Okada was like, yeah, uh, I'd like to see Taichi come fight me for this belt. And Tai Chi was like, I don't need your fucking sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, if that's what you're trying to do here, I don't need it. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's like, Shima, I hope Shima wins. It'd be sick. Uh, also in the New Japan Cup, uh, I want to get this out of the way. Apparently this morning, Evil and Hiromu had a really good main event. And I am not surprised because they're both good. And it was the highest draw in Korokin for New Japan in quite some time. I mean, always surprised. Well, if you don't listen to angry, weird Westerners on Twitter, you would be. But if you're a smart human, you would not be because Evil and Hiromu are draws. Lij versus Evil in the House of Torture is a drawing feud because there's so many connections. So it doesn't shock me that this drew well. And they're uh, also selling like a load of merch, so native fans love them. Yeah, and they're it not on, it's not only native is. fans because I try to buy a House of Torture hoodie since nobody since fans hate them so much they're obviously going to have merch available in my size. No, they do not. They're sold out of large, <laughs> extra large, and double XL. <laughs> I just tested. They have medium and small, but I can't fit those. I'm too small, bro. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of Darkness Club towels. Apparently, I'm like I'm not shocked, but uh, Hiromi won, which is cool. They're going to do Hiromu versus Shingo next round. I heard Shingo and Chase Owens had a good match. I fucking doubt it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not I'm not believing that. Yeah, and I'm not watching it either. So, I mean, <laughs> doubt it. Uh, but, yeah, New Japan. Oh, Osprey, like, killed Sonata. Yeah, this is the second main eventer Will Osprey has injured. And it's very stupid because if you watch the clip, Sonata nor Will were in position to do this shooting star press spot, but Will's an idiot, so he just goes ahead and does it knee Sonata in the face and fractures his orbital bone. So Yeah, please uh, don't crush that man's beautiful bone structure. I know he's here. jealous, but stop. <laughs> um 
second main eventer. Osprey's injured. Uh, third person, he's technically hurt because uh, he did knock Bushi unconscious momentarily after a hidden blade in their junior title match a few years back. Uh, and then he concussed Bushi the first time he ever used the hidden blade and put him out for months, and now he's injured Sonata. Yeah, maybe uh, don't do that. What the fuck is up with Brexit Ricochet over here injuring people? I know he sucks at wrestling, but you don't need to injure people out of spite, okay? Yeah, they're better than you, but you don't need to take your frustrations out on them. Uh, hopefully Sonata gets better. Sonata just posted on Twitter, Sonata will be back. <laughs> I was sick. I was like, yeah, that's for true. Not of, I'm not of very few words. <laughs> yeah. KG Muto, after they announced that he was out, KG Muto posted that he was at the New Japan show. I said, like, oh shit, he's about to shoot Will Ospreay in the knees. <laughs> <laughs> this old man can barely walk. He was like, right, I need to fight Will Ospreay. He was like, all right, you the one who hurt my son? Okay, come here. Got something to show you. <laughs> I just want to talk. <laughs> I just want to talk for a second. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's really all there is for New Japan. Now we can get into Noah, the great voyage in uh, Yokohama. I did skip a few matches. I skipped like two, I think. Uh, I skipped the first match. Yeah, I just missed that one. The I skipped that one, and because it hurts me that they're still in the opening match, and I skipped the Congo versus Stinger match. I think I watched that, but anyway, we'll 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 go on from the uh, title tournament matches. Yeah. So. Uh, the first of the tournament matches we had Daiki Inaba and Kaito Kiyomiya versus Masaki Mochizuki and Naomichi Marufuji. This was fun. I know this is going to sound crazy, but <laughs> Daiki Inaba, I mean, I guess Hideki Suzuki also has an argument, but uh, Daiki Inaba was probably the MVP of this day uh, throughout both of his tournament matches. Uh at least with Hideki, I expected him to be really, really good. Inaba had such a good performance in both matches that it really raised his stock coming out of this. Uh, especially in this one, because him and Marfuji have really good chemistry of just hating each other for whatever reason. Uh, and also, Kaito and Inaba obviously have been working a lot in the dojo on their tag team work, and it showed here against Marfuji and Mochizuki, who are, of course, great tag team former tag champs. Uh, but uh, I won $20 from this match because I said three weeks ago, I am convinced Daiki Inaba is pinning Marufuji in this tournament. And what was the finish? Marufuji goes for a Shiranui. Daiki Inaba turns into a backslide and beats him. And we love that for him. Yeah. I mean, the crowd popped big for it. I didn't expect to get as big of a reaction as it got, but fans were like really hype about it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like Daiki and Arbor, so I do hopefully too. this like, means that he'll get a little bit of a push. Like, hey, I understand other people's outlook. I agree he doesn't have charisma or much of a character at all. You but he, leave that man alone. <laughs> but he works very hard when he's in the ring. I will give him that. Like I said, I enjoyed his N1 victory run. I enjoyed his work on this whole day. Uh, character, of course, he doesn't have charisma or character, but I think that he is a good talent to have, and he could at the very least hold the national and uh, tag titles before his you know, time in Noah is done. Maybe even just like a challenge for the heavyweight, just a one-off challenge, who knows. Um, but uh, after this match, 
Marfuji and Mochizuki basically suspended the M's alliance. Marfuji is just like, yeah, we don't have a lot of people right now. Uh, so we're going to suspend it until we can be at full capacity uh, with, you know, Muto Miyamoto, Tanaka, Mochizuki, and Marfuji. Uh, right now it's just uh, Mochizuki, Tanaka, and Marfuji because uh, Miyamoto's off doing other ventures right now as a freelancer. So, and Muto's hurt. So they're suspending that for now. Uh, of course, the, those three will still be in the company doing whatever, but they just won't be in the M's Alliance for now. Uh, which, I mean, I think is fun and opens up more possibilities because with the M's Alliance, they kind of only had to team with each other. Now they can just do whatever. <laughs> I mean, they'll probably still be teaming with each other, but... Yeah, but, like, one of the upcoming cards is, like, Fujita, Mar Fuji, Hao, and Katoge versus Congo, and that's already fresh. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm not bothered what they do, because... They'll get something good at least, because they're quite important to Noah. I don't have a problem with old people because they're good. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, also, with the Ms. Alliance being suspended, they're doing Sugira and Masato Tanaka versus Itamore and uh, Masa on like one of the random upcoming cards. <laughs> I was I like, love okay. When Noah does that. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I all right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, move on to the next match. Yeah, so the uh, the next match was another tag title tournament match. It was the Sagaragun team of Hideki Suzuki and Kakashi Sagara versus the Congo team of Kanai Masakatsu Funaki. Yeah, uh, Hideki Suzuki returning to the Sagara army. I'll leave all his... Uh, I really want to touch on his time in NXT, but I'll talk about that at the what end time? because... <laughs> Because he's talked a lot about it in like interviews, like he has not been shy of just you know telling telling it how it is. I'll keep that toward the end, but it's 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 fun. Uh, this match was also fun because you had Hideki and Masakatsu Funaki just grappling, just the good good stuff. I was like I was half asleep when the show was on, but they started grappling. I was just glued to my screen. I was like, all right, it's like this is what I'm here for. Uh, and then, of course, Sagira and Kano angry with one another, as always. Kano doesn't like anybody. Um, they're all here stiffing each other. Uh, I thought, Kano, you know, I thought Kano and Funaki worked pretty well as a like traditional tag team. I didn't, I yeah, didn't really did. know how how they would mesh because uh, I think Kano's best teams are like when he's with another power guy. But I thought they, I thought they worked pretty well here. Uh, same thing with uh, Hideki and Sagira. I. Didn't know what to expect from their team, but I thought they also worked pretty well together. They were very good at bullying people, and we'll talk about that whenever we get toward the end of the show. But the finish of this match, I didn't see coming. Uh, one, I didn't know who was going to advance. Two, I didn't expect Tadeki Suzuki to pin Masakatsu Funaki. Uh, but he pins him with the uh, double arm bridging suplex, and uh, he just you know got in his face. And Sagira gonna advance to the main event for the GSC heavyweight tag titles, and Kano is not happy, of course. <laughs> why? Why would he be happy? That man's never been happy in his life. <laughs> no, I watched. I watched him and Shiri versus Mayu and Masaki Mochizuki from Hanakamura's debut show, and he was even fucking angry then. And this was like 2017. <laughs> <laughs> this man probably just came out the womb like immediately. Scowling, everybody. <laughs> scowling at the doctor taking him out. Oh. Uh, 
But yeah, uh, so the main event set, Kaito and Inaba, Sakira and Hideki Suzuki, which is a fun dynamic even before the match even happens. So Yeah, that's true. But we have a uh, a few matches between that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the match that you skipped with Kongo, Ohara, Neo, and Tadasuke versus Hayata, Agawa, and Yano. Uh, I'm pretty Kongo sure Tadasuke pinned Yano. I did see the finish. Probably. I okay. don't remember that much. So, <laughs> um, but after that, it was the uh, Peros de Mao de Japon team of Hidaka, Nasawa, Thank and God. Super Crazy. <laughs> I was like, where is Ikuda Hidaka? Where is my mans? <laughs> He's here, thank God, because somebody on this Peros team had to bump. Yeah, that's true. And uh, they were facing uh, Alejandro, is his name now. Yeah, that was his name in Russell 1 that nobody watched. Haha, <laughs> fuck you, Smiley. <laughs> uh, Kotoge and Hal. Uh, first of all, before we get into this match, let's talk. Let's talk about uh, Kotoge and Yohei's TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> These guys have got like little matching outfits. Yeah, They're doing TikToks together. Kotoge's trying to do his same two poses, and he doesn't know what to do because they don't let him wear his hat, and that's like part of his poses. So he's like, "All right, I'll just hug Yohei or something." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll say it again when Yohei comes out. But God, these two look like they should just hold the tag titles forever. Those belts just look perfect on them. I hope they do. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like I said, thank God that Doc is here because somebody on this Peros team has to actually be able to move around and bump. (laughs) Um, So I don't think Super Crazy's moved this much, to be fair. Oh my God. Okay. So, all right. I want to say this was a pretty, I thought this was a pretty fun trios match compared to what most of the old uh, Peros members Six mans are when it's usually Hadaka and Osawa involved, but like Hadaka, of course, is the best. So uh, it was a fun dynamic. And there comes a point where Super Crazy has just done the sequence with uh, Alejandro because, you know, for as much flack as we get Super Crazy, if there's lucha spots that needs to be done, he's the man to go to. Uh, he does this whole like big sequence with uh, Alejandro. He's like so gassed. It was probably like two minutes, but he is dying and he and like kotoge comes in and super crazy is begging no for a tag no is such a dick he's just like no i'm like bro come on you see this man's about to pass out if you don't tag him <laughs> this man was like pouring with sweat i thought he was about to die at like any second in this match <laughs> yeah 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 that's what i was saying uh, but Hadaka, you know, he tagged in. I was like, thank God Hadaka has a heart. Because, bro, this man's super crazy. He's so gassed. He doesn't even make a temp. <laughs> so, Peros later in this match was supposed to come in and break up a pin. Super crazy does not even attempt to stop the Noah Jr. regular army. He just walks back to the apron. He's <laughs> uh, like, nah, I'm done here. <laughs> this is my guy right here. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they got the one good Harada match out of him. He was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> Uh, but you know, match was fun. Uh, finish was Nosawa pinning uh, Kotoge, and Nosawa just immediately left after. And Kotoge's like, "Bro, what the fuck? Why did I lose?" <laughs> Super crazy. Was following behind in his like wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, he was like a doctor carrying me, and Hidaka said, "No way, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not." 
Okay, so um, there was a singles match after this. We had Kotaro Suzuki versus Yohei. Speaking of good wrestling, I mean, it's, I don't think this shocks anybody that this match was good. Well, it shouldn't do because it's like Kotaro Suzuki is probably the best wrestler they've got. Yeah, that's probably actually for true. Uh, a lot of people know, but yeah, Kotaro is probably the actual best because none of his matches are the same. Like, whatever match he has, they're all following a different formula, and I think that's one of the things that make him special. Like, he can easily transform from being the underdog babyface like he was in N1 to just destroying his opponents like he did to Yohei here. <laughs> Absolutely just mauling him. Uh, Yohei did have some fun spots where he fought back, but the, like, finish, Kotaro just mugged him. He hit him with almost all of his finishers. <laughs> and that was just it. Like, he took his time and just beat him. Uh... God, uh, that gives me high hopes for the uh, tag title match this weekend with Nosawa and Kotaro versus Yohei and uh, Kotoge. I'm hoping they follow somewhat of a formula of Nosawa and Kotaro just tr- like not taking them seriously, just uh, trying to work over one of the two and just eventually get caught in the end. But you know, who knows? Maybe they'll win. Never know. Oh, right. At least it'll be a good match, though. Yeah, that's for true. Uh, after that was the singles match with Go Shiozaki and Nabu Soya. This went on way too long, in my opinion. I thought the like the I thought like the finishing like half was pretty good. Uh, the beginning stretch just wasn't for me. Thought it was a little bit long. Uh, but you know I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was probably Soya's best performance as far as yeah. Noah. Uh, I feel bad because I genuinely forget Manabu Soya as a person. Every time I see him, I know he's on this roster. He doesn't miss a show, but every time I see him, I'm like, oh, yeah. They've got that guy. <laughs> yeah, Manabu Soya. Every time his music hits, I'm like, who in the blue? <laughs> uh, but no, I, like I said, I do think this is a good performance for Soya. Like, you know, pain aside, as far as it being long, I thought it was a good performance. I also thought the finish was very good where uh, Soya kicks out of, uh, I think he kicked out of the Go Flasher maybe, and he just got immediately up, and they both charged at each other with lariats, and Go just took him out. Yeah, I did like that spot, to be fair. I mean, I think it's just difficult to have a bad match with Go, at least. Yeah, I think you could throw a broomstick out there, and he'll get a good match out of it. Yeah, like, you have to be on another level of bad to have a bad match with Go Shizaki, in my opinion. I don't know. Give Osprey ELP a shot. They'll surely do it. Yeah, that's true. Chase Owens, you know. Oh, God. Yeah, he did have a Shingo singles match this morning. Fuck. <laughs> I, I hate it here. But, uh, yeah, of course, Go Shizaki was not losing to Manabasoya. <laughs> ain't no way. No. <laughs> he lost four singles matches in a row, but ain't no way. <laughs> uh... Go Shizaka's probably like, yeah, I'm not. No. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> uh, fairly big singles match for Go Shizaki coming up as he faces Katsuhiko Nakajima coming up. Should be a banger. Uh, I mean, 
at least to me, I think it's obvious they're going to aim for the Shiozaki Fujita rematch in Sumo Hall or uh, Budokan. I mean, right? I'd assume so. Because I, I mean, mean, it won the Tokyo Sports Best Bout that year. Yeah. Uh, it was raved about. It was Noah's match of the year. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and plus, many fans wanted to see another singles match between the two with fans in attendance. I think right now that's probably the biggest match they can do. So I feel like that's the direction. And if it is, then 100% making Fujita the champ was the right move. Yeah, because I mean, now that you look at it that way, it definitely seems like they gave the title to Fujita to work towards that. That as well as a signing bonus, which I think, I think giving somebody a championship for a signing bonus is was pretty fair, especially someone like Fujita who has had good matches without being actually signed to the company. So Yeah, like he's clearly done a lot of good for him and it was probably just like a thank you for getting us through the no people era. Yeah. I I got if that's the angling toward then one hundred percent it makes sense. Like I could definitely see Shiozaki just beating him at Sumo Hall. Not saying that's what's gonna happen, but I mean it's very possible. Like Fujita definitely doesn't have a problem losing to Shiozaki if I don't think he has a problem losing to anybody, if it makes sense. Uh, I think that's just a false narrative, but if that's the case, it'd be interesting to see. I definitely think after Shiozaki, gotta go probably Kano, right? Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd think it would like that, but I feel like he's. Know. I feel like, like <laughs> I definitely think is gonna get another run, and he should, but I think that'll happen like next year, maybe. I think Kano will definitely be first. So, we'll see. Never know with Noah. Yeah, that's the only thing with, like, the heavyweight scene is it's the probably the most unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So, at least with the juniors, you kind of know who's going to be yeah. winning what, mm-hmm. at least. Usually Stinger, but... Yeah. It fresh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's not talk about Stinger anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um. So after that, we had a six-man tag match with Segura Goon members, uh, Kazushi Sakuraba, Kazuki Fujita, and Kendo Kashin versus Masaki Tamiya. Viscous Me's favorite favorite wrestler. That's true. Um, Masaru Tanaka and Yoshiki Inamura. Big boys versus crackheads. Masaru Tanaka's not a big boy, but hey, it'll work. Yeah. So I just want y'all to know, before this match started, Fujita and Sakuraba in the ring, Kendo Kashin ran upstairs to Japanese commentary to drag King Tanny all the way downstairs to the (laughs) ring. King Tanny's like, bro, get your hands off of me. Like, I'm not working tonight. Yeah, I'm not taking no bumps. What are you doing? And Fujita and Sakuraba are very much corpsing here. I don't know what to do. Uh, but, hey, if any, if this tag match did anything, it made me super excited for Tanaka versus Fujita. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I can't wait until these two old men kill Just each other. Just destroy each other. I, like I said, people can think old people bad, but these two are going to have an absolute banger, and it's just going to be that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Old people good. <laughs> yeah. Sorry that your young people suck. Uh, 
No, I don't know. Okay, so the Noah like young people argument is funny because the only one who's young is like Kaito, and he held the heavyweight title for a year already. So everybody else is like thirty eight and like thirty five. Like define your definition of young. <laughs> I think Inamura's youngish, isn't he? Yeah, him and I think he's like him and Kenya are both like twenty eight, maybe. Which is. Like, Still, really young for Noah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, define, like, people are like, oh, you got to give it to young guys like Kano. Kano's, like, almost 40. <laughs> <laughs> young guys like Kano. <laughs> yeah, Kano's almost 40. <laughs> I mean, almost... that's the thing with Noah, though. It's, like, young in Noah is literally, like, 35 <laughs> plus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, God, like, even Master's, like, 32. Uh, this match absolutely ruled. Uh, Tanaka and Fujita were going at it. The aggression of, or not the aggression, uh, the tough, aka Inamura and Masa were doing their stuff. Sakuraba's being a national treasurer and Kendo Cashin is existing. <laughs> this is my guy right fun, here. <laughs> this is my guy right here. <laughs> um, of course, the finishing uh, sequences, of course, with uh, Inamura and Fujita. I feel like Fujita really likes Inamura because most of his, like, single stuff and finishing tag match stuff is with Inamura. Uh, but uh, he beats Inamura and he does this fun thing where he has the belt and he's over here bowing to the crowd and thank, saying thank you for coming out. <laughs> uh, and Tanaka's trying to like stare him down ruthlessly and Fujita's just bowing. He's like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> God, this dude's so sick. This is the... Okay. No slander on Kazuki Fujita. Okay. This dude's so sick. Imagine hating this man. I saw something on Twitter and it was like, yeah, I've noticed nobody talking about um, Noah since Fujita won the title. And I'm like, what What timeline have you got? <laughs> yeah, everybody I follow talk about Noah. It's yeah, not... like, everybody loves Fujita as champion. Like, just because you're not looking doesn't mean that, you know, nobody likes Noah anymore because Fujita's champion. <laughs> yeah. Young guy, 34 year old Katsuhiko Nakajima. <laughs> uh, love the young guys, yeah. Love those young 30 year olds. Um, I mean, 30 is not old, but come on, <laughs> you gotta think about it. Um, uh, especially when other companies like Dragon Gate are pushing 21 year olds, so like, you gotta define young talent. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild when it comes to uh, Noah just fucking pushing old people but I love it so I don't care yeah it's old people summer you need to get on the train <laughs> uh, but yeah that match is a Sunday should be really really good excited so uh, we head into the junior title match with Daisuke Harada and Ita I said I wanted Ida to win the title, but I didn't think he actually would. No, I didn't either. I feel I thought with the, I felt like they were just gonna keep it on Daisuke to carry into the. the uh, is it Nippon Budokan or Sumo Hall they're running? Might be uh, Sumo. I have the no, no idea. the all junior show. Okay, it's it's at one of those venues, but. Uh, I felt they probably would have kept it on Harada, but that wasn't the case. First of all, this match was really good. Uh, Ida went into this match, and throughout this whole match, it was just him not 
taking Daisuke Harada very seriously. Like, he didn't really see him... Like, if you examine the match and compare it to other big Ida title matches, especially the most recent one we watched in Dragon Gate where he had no shirt and he was focused, he came in here T-shirt, just not taking Harada seriously at all. Didn't really see him as a threat. Uh, seemed like everything Harada did, he had a cha- he had a counter for it and he was working over Harada's arm. Harada eventually got a comeback, but Ida caught him with the uh, numero uno to make him tap. Like, I thought it was a, a very, very good story. Uh, they probably flew under the radar for a lot of people. Like, you would have to watch other Big E the title matches to understand it. Uh, I thought it was done really well. Yeah, like, I love this match, honestly. I can't wait for Ita to uh, bring the title back to Maria. Yeah. <laughs> That's what uh, Zaki said. Zaki was like, he won the belt as a wedding present. I was like, you know what? That makes sense. Uh, but, uh, you know, for no casual Noah fans, this probably won't make a lot of sense to put it on a Dragon Gate guy. But you got to look at the business side of things. Nobody in the junior division has proven to be an actual draw on their own. Maybe like Ogawa could, but even then, I don't know. Uh, to be an actual draw on their own, all the shows are usually headlined by heavyweights. Uh, and the shows they do run with juniors is not a big venue. This is a gigantic venue. Nobody in the division probably can put a lot of people in the Sumahara Budokan, whichever one they're running for that all-junior show. You take a look at Ida, who was open the Dream Gate champion for Dragon Gate, and his numbers uh, in Sendai against KZ as the top <laughs> champion main eventing outdid Dragon Gate's aces run as champion this year in the same venue by like several hundred. Like he's a proof and draw on his own as the top champion. Yeah, I mean they're clearly putting that into like thought with him because yeah. they're not going to just run a massive venue and think. Yeah, let's put our title on a guy that's not signed to our company. Like, clearly he's a huge draw. Dragon Gate does really well in Japan as well. Yeah. So, it, it makes sense. And it's not basically. a case that if he can work the show or not. Like, uh, Dragon Gate's president, Tori Kido, mentioned when he took over. Because uh, Masato Yoshino kind of helped it kind of break this down to him. Because this is what led to Shingo leaving and all that. He said if... And during the pandemic, Ida was the first guy to really step out and go work at, at another company. And he just basically was like, hey, if the guys want to go work somewhere else and it's beneficial to both them, the other company and Dragon Gate, and they follow COVID protocols, I have no problem with them also working other companies. So uh, this is one of those cases where he'll be able to work the shows. It's no biggie. And he's worked a good amount already. Uh, so, yeah, they're definitely thinking about how can we get as much people in this venue as possible and Ida as champion, especially during this time where he's probably having the hottest angle in Pura right now over in Dragon Gate with Maria. This is probably a really smart decision. Yeah, because, I mean, at least as well, this works mutually for both Noah and Dragon Gate. Yeah. So why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, makes total sense. And, hey, if when Dead or Alive comes around, if Ida's still junior champion, who knows that Ida won't defend the title on a Dragon Gate show. It's very possible. Uh, but, yeah, that's just... Uh, I'm very happy about that. Uh, just want to put it out there. Ida's just turned 30, and he's already been open the Dream Gate champion, 
multiple time Brave Gate champion, multiple time twin and triangle gate champion, GHC junior tag champion, and GHC junior heavyweight champion. And he won those GHC belts in less than a year. Yeah, that's what we mean by uh, push the young guys. Yeah. Young, young man eater. Yeah, listen. Ida's probably going to finish his career as probably one of the best junior wrestlers ever. Like I said, he's done all that and he's only 30. He's got at least probably like 15 more years in him. So. <laughs> I mean, this is like pure so he's probably got another like 40 years left in him. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so after that we had the main event. It was the final for the Heavyweight tag title Hideki Suzuki and Kashi Sugura versus Daiki Inaba and Kato Kiyomiya. Notice Sugi changed his panties for this match. He had on the black and yellow joints in the opener, and then he had on his uh, sparkly ones with the say killing machine. I didn't actually notice. Yeah. Which is weird. I noticed it immediately. That sounds like I'm checking out Sugura's ass all the time, but. Dog, I noticed because maybe it's because I watched it all in one sitting. So I was like, "Was he wearing those in the beginning?" So I went back. I was like, "No, he just changed." Good. Yeah, that makes more sense because I did watch this over like two days. But yeah, hey, that's good though. Hey, I'm sure his opponents appreciated that fresh gear. Yeah, thanks uh, for that. smelling like sweat. <laughs> yeah, the other ones in this match said, "Yeah, I don't care. We're just gonna wrestle again anyway." <laughs> uh. But yeah, you know, it started off very, very slow and was just kind of nothing for a little bit. And then it really picked up in the second half, uh, especially like the formula of Sugira and Suzuki just dominating and bullying Kaito and Inaba, especially Inaba. Like I said, I think Inaba had a fantastic performance throughout this whole day. Uh, I love that. It really changed and pivoted from what Suzuki was doing in the first match against Congo, where he was grappling, and he just changed it in completely in this match where he was just abusing these kids. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought this was a fun match. I went into this match and I figured Kaito and Inaba would win, but hey, I am not ashamed in being wrong because I love Sugira and Suzuki, so. No, I thought they'd. I thought Sigiri gonna would win. Like, it just made too much sense. You know, I. I feel like they're gonna do something else with their. Uh, Daiki and Kaito at least as a tag team, but I was like, no, nah, they're definitely gonna give Hideki and uh, Sigiri the belts. Well, listen, uh, Kaito and Anabu are an official tag team. I mean, that's one of the things that uh. Kaito said whenever he was tag champions with Masa is he really wanted to grow alongside Daiki and be an actual tag team because when Daiki first came to know after Wrestle 1 shut down, after his singles match with Kaito, they formed a tag team. Uh, so it's not like this tag team's going anywhere. They'll still be here So whenever mm-hmm. they're ready for the tag title run. Because also I think that Kaito and Inaba as a tag team, they gel really well together, and I think they're dissolving, deserving of a long run. So whenever they're ready for the tag title run, I'm hoping they get a long one. So if this is just a short-term thing, maybe I'm glad that you're not champions right now. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they're the ones that beat Hideki and Takashi. I mean, yeah, I mean, least. the story's right there. They're just like, all right, we realized our mistake. Uh, we've grown. 
and beat some top level tag teams. So uh, ready to finally get those belts. So I mean, it, it's very easy. And I mean, mm-hmm. Suzuki and Sagira, they'll willingly lose to whoever. They don't care. They're just here. Uh, but uh, before we get into like all the uh, aftermath stuff that happened backstage, I was gonna get into Hideki Suzuki's NXT run because I am glad that his like first show back, he just became JC Tag Champion. I thought that yeah, was sick. I was, uh, I was watching this and thinking like, wow, WWE really had this man as a coach. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and it. <laughs> well, I mean, from people that watch NXT that I talked to, like Scott, he was like, because I was explaining to him that uh, Hideki like said that. Uh, He's a big fan of the Creed brothers. Those are two that he personally trained. Uh, and he slapped one of them because it was stomping him out too hard. We covered that on a previous podcast. Uh, and he was like, yeah, he was like, I can kind of see that. They're like head and shoulders above all the other trainees that came out yeah. of the PC. I was like, yeah, this dude's really good. Uh, but he was basically like, uh, because I had thought about talking about this, because after he won the belt, uh, Steve Carino, who's a coach there, and uh, Allison Danger, who also got laid off when he got laid off but was a coach, I was going to say, has WWE got any coaches left at the Performance Center? <laughs> yeah, uh, they both were just like, uh, congrats, my friend. He was like, thank you. And like Hideki made a joke to Allison Danger. It was just like, uh, he was like, today's match didn't have to be four hours long. <laughs> I was like, that's <laughs> sick. Hideki Suzuki's the man. But he was basically like, uh, yeah, he was like, I stopped listening to people like two weeks into the job. <laughs> Yeah, I can tell. This man just looks like he doesn't listen to anybody anyway. Yeah, he was like, Bernard was like, you made so-and-so mad. And I was like, so? I don't care. <laughs> and, you know, he was just like, I think that WWE's way of coaching is stupid. He's like, we should be trying to help them become the wrestlers they want to be. <laughs> he was yeah, like, I remember reading about, like, he didn't like going to the coaches' meetings because he was, thought it was pointless. Like, I yeah. could see him, like, sat there looking around the room like, oh, yeah. that's a nice painting. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like it's crazy because you hear the, like the stories and then hearing it from him, he just raised so many valid points. It's just like this guy's so smart. Why didn't they like try to listen to him? Because <laughs> it's it's not the Hideki Suzuki way. It's the WWE way. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. He was like, I just think it was all stupid. Uh, fair enough. Also, he's training Julia again. Yeah, Julia Rashiri is not going to be good. Listen, Hideki Suzuki rules, but Julia, trained by Hideki Suzuki, does not rule at all. So she's yeah, her and Shiri are going to grapple. It's going to suck. So be, be I prepared. Really, I really don't get how this man is like obsessed with Julia and her tits, but Julia is not benefiting from this relationship at all. <laughs> She's well, becoming a worse technical wrestler. It's not Hideki's fault she's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. This man is spending too much time talking about her tits that so he's not training her. <laughs> yeah. Julia probably asked him what a wrist lock is, and he probably like, are you serious? <laughs> she was like, what's the best way I can take out Julia? Uh, Shuri and Julia. Julia's just like, yeah, I need to do like 16 rotations on this arm drag. He's like, what? <laughs> uh, but yeah, after what? But you know, Sagira and Suzuki are champs. I'm happy. Uh, like I said, I think they are a pretty good tag team together. Uh, afterwards, Suzuki made a formal challenge to Masakatsu Funaki for the national title. He was like, well, I pinned him. And he was like, what I'm thinking is, <laughs> okay, before I get to the challenge, uh, so 
Segura says, uh, he said it after the first match they had against Congo backstage. He was like, uh, this is, he was like, I'd like to formally welcome Hideki Suzuki back to the Segura army. He was like, but I call him, <coughs> I call him Hachi Man or Hachi for short, which was his WWE name. <laughs> Segura has this thing where if any of his friends go to WWE, when he comes back, he calls them by their WWE names. Like, uh, Kenta, he'll, he'll call him Hideo. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like, He's like, uh, Hachi pin Masakatsu Funaki. And uh, Suzuki was like, yeah, he's like, what I'm thinking is if I beat uh, Funaki, then the Sagira army will have all the titles. I was like, yeah, I mean, that's pretty smart. <laughs> uh, so him versus Funaki got signed for the national title. That should be a good one, of course. And also on that Zero uh, One Ryo Goku show we were talking about, uh match that recently got announced is Hideki versus Masato Tanaka. So this man is just going to come back and have a wrestle of the year year. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it's fine. Hey, you know, it's fine. I'm, I love me some Hideki Suzuki, so it's fine. Now, uh, pivoting to this episode of Raw that we decided to watch, it was insane. This was leading up. This was the go-home show to No Way Out 2001, I believe it was. Which... Uh for the record, probably one of my favorite WWE pay-per-views ever. <laughs> what, the 2001 show? Or just No Way yeah. Out in general? Oh, no Way okay. Out 2001, not, okay. not just in general. <laughs> okay. Um, of course, I can tell you, this is like fresh off the rumble. Austin won this year, I'm pretty positive, because uh, I'm pretty sure it's Mania X7 this year, and it's him and Austin in Texas. Uh, and they do like the big double turn or whatever. But, uh, this is also like coming off the continuation of the Triple H and Stone Cold feud where they had Rikishi hit him with a car. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. The, and then they this... had the Survivor Series match where Austin murdered Triple H and dropped him inside yeah, a car from re- a forklift. God, I remember that. <laughs> so sick. Oh, my God. But, yeah. I love, hey. it. I lo- yeah. I love this feud as well because there was so much happening as well because Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit were also involved. Yeah, so I don't really know why Crispin Wall's involved uh, because I don't think he's feuding with anybody in this. Like, he feuded with The Rock, but he feuded with The Rock a year previous when The Rock was WWF champion. And he's also feuding with Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, and X-Pac. So I really don't know why he's here. (laughs) No, I don't. And that's what, like, they... um... As the show started, they showed a package of what happened on SmackDown the previous yeah. week with Triple H, The Rock. I think they had a match. I think it was a singles match. And yeah, then uh, Kurt H- Angle, Stone Cold, and Chris Benoit came out. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> it was so, so. much happening. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll just go ahead and start. But their uh, opening of the show was them like, yeah, the main event for tonight is Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit versus Stone Cold and The Rock. It was amazing. <laughs> Dog, you compare this to now. If you turn on WWE Raw, they're like, the main event is like, Madcap Moss versus uh, Mojo Rawley or whoever is signed. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think Mojo Rawley is signed anymore. Oh, well, but I did, whatever. I did have a look at um, what happened on Raw this Monday mm-hmm. um, before we started. The main event was Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins, which... That doesn't sound terrible, but... 
But it's I don't think no it was as good as this one. The Rock and Benoit and Angle. Yeah. It... Listen, my favorite period of WWE was 2000 through 2005. After yeah, that, same. after that, I was like just straight in the TNA, and I just didn't really care that much about WWE. Uh, but yeah, 2000 2005 is my favorite era of WWE, and like probably wrestling in general. Um, so like seeing all this, this was just absolute blast for me to just watch. I enjoyed it, love it. Uh, but you got the yeah, yeah. I'll I'll say one more thing. I think as well, like people think you have like kind of nostalgia glasses when you look at this but when i watched this show i thought like i'm genuinely enjoying this like this is incredible if this happened today i'd, I'd be i'd be on whale of a time yeah and like i don't know it's a lot easier for me to watch older wrestling than it is it's for me to watch current wrestling i don't know why that is maybe it's because just i remember watching the shows growing up it's just, yeah. it's just, I don't know. It's just easier for me to go back and watch and just everything start to click about what's happening. So we should probably talk about the actual matches. Uh, yeah, because we'll probably take like 50 minutes for each segment. So <laughs> Probably. So the first match, uh, we started off with a triple threat. It was Devon Dudley, Christian, and The Undertaker. Everybody's tag partner was banned from ringside. That and then Edge was Edge. on commentary. <laughs> Edge was on so, commentary for about two seconds. So, my headcanon here is that Undertaker said, let me wrestle the two good wrestlers from the tag teams we're facing at No Way Out. You know what? That's probably what happened. <laughs> so they're like, all right, Devon Christian, get out there. <laughs> yeah, because we know Bubba's not a mat technician and I am not a gigantic Edge guy. Uh... But this was a really chaotic triple threat, and I think that's why I loved it so much. Uh, Edge was on commentary. It was like, what up? You're banned from ringside. He was like, dude, Jerry Lawler invited me. He was like, ain't that right, JR? I mean, not JR, uh, uh, Lawler. And uh, Lawler was like, uh, yeah, I did say you have an open invitation anytime. He was like, yeah, see? He's like, that's why I'm out here. Um, but, you know, they're out here having a blast just – Undertaker is actually wrestling. This dude's doing Fujiwara arm bars. <laughs> like, what? To be fair, I do love when that just, like, randomly happens. Bro, and, like, we fast forward. Undertaker match from, like, this era, he's actually wrestling. We fast forward the next year, and he's doing, like, dragon sleepers. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I think that's a big thing that he said in, like, interviews is why he wanted to do his biker gimmick. Because uh, if they didn't let him change his character, I think he was signing with WCW because Kevin Nash had tried to recruit him and told him he would be able to be himself. And he just wanted to, you know, wrestle. And, I mean, that's what he was doing here. And basically everything was built around Undertaker and they just kind of did stuff along the way. Yeah, and I mean, just, and I mean like, that was kind of added stuff in. And I mean, that was the correct formula, although, you know, Christian's definitely the best wrestler in the match. And then him and Devon probably had some good chemistry. But, I mean, the crowd reaction, you know, just told the story that Taker is just massively over. So it made sense to build everything around him. Uh, what I thought was funny about this match is Taker wins and beats practically everybody he's facing at the pay-per-view by himself. Which he beats Devon, he, he beats loses. Christian, 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure they lose because he faces Triple H that year at Mania. So he beats Devon, he beats Christian, and then he last rides or choke slams Edge. The only person he didn't beat up is Bubba Dudley. <laughs> I mean, the fact that like this match also was just three minutes and like thirty seconds. Dog, all Perfect. these matches were short and they were all good. So, yeah, try that now, WWE. <laughs> yeah, you absolute losers. So, um, I think we had a couple of segments after that. Yeah, all right, good. Uh, okay, had... I don't know if we're ever going to talk about this one ad I remember, but dog, they aired a WWF Diva bikini video oh, I remember that. vignette, <laughs> and I was like, by God, this division was crazy in a one. <laughs> oh. I don't, I don't think I had that written down in my notes. The That's adverb, the one. Yeah, I was like, yo, this... I was like, bro, I am in love with 2001. <laughs> the 2001 roster. <laughs> oh, God, it was uh, a different time. Yeah. But um, kind of kind of relevant to that, to be fair. Uh, the first segment, we had Stephanie McMahon and Triple H waiting for Trish Stratus to appear. Trish, at the time, banking was... banking Vince in front of Linda, and Stephanie wants to commit violent acts of crime. Yeah, that's one way to put it. Uh, <laughs> very iconic feud. Uh, I Triple H thought it was funny. <laughs> he was just sitting back. He thought it was funny. Well, Stephanie's about to like rip Trish at this part. <laughs> yeah, so they're um, they're kind of just chilling out, waiting for Trish to appear, and then we get another segment. Edge and Christian backstage. They've got a plan. They don't say what the plan is, but they've got a plan. And it's actually uh, a pretty good plan. We'll get to it later in the night, but it's actually yeah. a fantastic idea. Um, so yeah, then we get back to the matches. We had um, a intergender match with Dean Malenko and Lita, who at the time were feuding because Dean Malenko was obsessed with Lita. And, and Lita led him on. Him. Yeah. I do think it was funny, though. It was like, yeah, Dean Malenko's a bad guy, and then Lita just led him on and got him jumped in a hotel room. <laughs> I don't know how much of a face move that is. Uh, yeah, they... I mean, to be fair, like, Jerry Lawler um, on commentary was really making Lita into the bad guy. And he had points. I'm not gonna lie. Like, You know what? I support all women. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know what? You got a point. But uh, this is, of course... Uh, God, so this is just after the Radicals d- disbanded. Uh, well, they're not fully disbanded yet, but they're not the four of them anymore. Mm. Uh, they gotten back together briefly, and then Ben Wall separated to go do his single stuff. Eddie was still loosely aligned with uh, Perry and Dean, but they weren't, you know, the Radicals still. Uh, which, if you don't know about the Radicals, just crazy four-man unit. Uh, and basically Dean was brought in as the light heavyweight guy uh, and they gave him this gimmick to try to make him interesting and eventually morphs into the Agent 007 gimmick where uh, the Godfather offers him some ladies and Dean accepted and becomes Agent 007 and listen I think that's hilarious but you did not need like if Dean Malenko was like around now He'd probably be like multi-time mid-card to heavyweight champion, like 
without a gimmick. This dude was so good. Even in this match with Lita, he did not treat Lita any differently than he treated any other guys. He was giving her everything he had. Yeah, I will say that, like, that's one of the things that I really liked about Lita, like, when I was younger, is when she did wrestle the guys, like, they treated her like she was one of the guys. Like, she wrestled really well with all of them. It wasn't like when they were wrestling, like, I don't know. I was going to say Trish, but... It's a very different landscape than it would become in, like, two more years, in, like, 2004 and forward until, like, the modern era. Because it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. you hear the big fuss-ups, especially on Twitter, about intergender wrestling, especially in big companies. But, like, back in this time, they had no problem doing it and just treating the girls how they would everywhere else. And, like, the guys had respect for the uh, girls that they were wrestling. They didn't mind. Like, literally the opening to this match is... Demon Lincoln's like hammering away Alita, and the ref's like, "Yeah, we'll back up." And Lita like backs her, backs the ref into the corner, and it's like, "Don't worry, I got this." And then Dean brains her and just starts <laughs> beating the brace off her. I mean, to be fair, like that's what I do love about like this era for the women. Like, I know not a lot of people look back fondly on it, but it's like I watched um, an interview with Lita recently, and she said how like. She, she was just given, like, carte blanche to just kind of go out there and fucking beat up the guys. Yeah. Which, like I said, clearly this, worked. Like, even though most of this match was Dimaliko just tearing her apart, this was a good match. Like, legitimately a good match. Uh, and, and it was it, three minutes long. Do, yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. So Dimaliko went to hit. Uh, Lita. so Dean Malenko would be in obvious positions to win and he would just break up the pin so uh, he went to grab a chair to hit her and then uh, Matt Hardy came in and brains Dean Malenko with a chair so Lita gets the win and of course you know uh, Lita and Matt Hardy make out because they were dating at one point and I don't think it was public knowledge at this point maybe it was I don't know No, this I think was... this was the big reveal yeah this was the uh, first on air kiss for Matt and Lita big, big fun fact for you there big diva knowledge me yeah yeah and you know god honestly if they would have just kept the light heavyweight title around at that time and just let it been like fucking Takuma Janoku, Dean Malenko, Lita just everybody wrestling that'd been sick <laughs> uh but yeah this is a fun match yeah so um we had a couple more like segments um, after this match, uh, Trish Stratus finally shows up in Vince McMahon's limo, and she's basically just hanging out the with Will Regal, my guy. Yeah, with William Regal as well, and uh, she's hanging out. And Stephanie McMahon's you like you fucking bitch. She climbs she into the fighting. limo. <laughs> she climbs on top of the limo. And then Will Regal, uh, <laughs> one of two brubs I trust, he uh, gets her out of there, and they just kind of run away while Triple H is laughing the whole time, trying to hold Stephanie back. <laughs> Stephanie McMahon's like, I'm gonna fucking kill her. <laughs> and Triple H is having a blast here. Um, and then we move on. I don't know if they did this in America, but I remember when WWE used to have shows on Sky Sports, they did like the Slam of the Week. Yeah, yeah, they did that all the time, like almost every week. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't know if it was like a UK thing or what, but they, no, no. they basically went back and showed um, the Triple H and Rock match. Mm hmm. We already saw this at the beginning of the beginning of the show. They didn't just see this again. Yeah. But they would also have the uh, Castrol GTX <laughs> moment of the night. 
I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's like a motor oil here. All uh, right, right, yeah. Um, so after that, we had another segment. We had the Kurt Angle interview. Was that Kevin Kelly? Yes. Yeah, the, the New Japan guy. Yeah, before he became unbearable to me. Uh, but yeah, Kurt Angle was just, you know, it was just a formal com- uh, formal commentary. It's like, yeah, why is The Rock the people's champion? I want to win the gold medal, yada, yada. Just very, you know, setting up for The Rock to respond later in the night. Yeah, I think it was like, as well, they kind of hyped up their um, title match in their way out as well. Yeah. Which basically what it was. Uh, obviously, this was WWE, so we went into another backstage segment. Um, we had the APA playing poker. And the cat comes in and goes, <laughs> I want to get naked. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> WWF, baby. And um, obviously, Bradshaw and Farouk are like, hey, you know what? We know a place. Come on. Let- let's go. <laughs> I don't know how many um, more times we'll get to talk about Farouk, but Farouk, Ron Simmons, one of the best wrestlers ever. Just put that out uh, there. According to my notes, we get to talk about that at least uh, two more times. Yeah, I know, but like <laughs> as far as like in general about Oh, Farouk, just in general, yeah. yeah. Farouk's great. Shout out Farouk. <laughs> yeah, I love to... Uh, okay, quick story before we get back on the show. So, you know he like basically ended Ahmed Johnson's career? <laughs> So, no. <laughs> so there's like, I don't know if you, I watch a lot of shoot interviews and basically Ahmed Johnson was just a pain to deal with. Like there's stories <laughs> of like where he got beat up by D'Lo because he was like, said he was going to smoke Triple H and D'Lo's like, calm down, you ain't doing nothing. And uh, he basically got a big ego. And in one match, he like basic. this is back when Farouk was in the nation and they were doing a feud. It was like the nation versus uh, Ahmed and the Road Warriors. And Ahmed like kicked Farouk really hard and like injured his like uh he injured something I want to say it was like his kidney or something and like Farouk was out for a couple months and Mark Henry actually told the story on Steve Walton's podcast so it's because it's because it's on YouTube uh and he was basically like every because they were talking about how Ron Simmons like is the greatest man of all time like how he got out of the car in cowboy boots went to a gym and like bench pressed 600 and then just got up and left <laughs> and I was like, dude. I, I, <laughs> I was like, that is so hard. I was like, in cowboy boots. Uh, but uh, basically, he had been planning every week for his return to get Ahmed Johnson back uh, because you know Ahmed was a dick. Like backstage, there's so many stories out there, but he was like terrible. Um, so it was time for him to come back, and they would have like the match card in the back, and it was called. Uh, and it was, uh, it said Farouk versus Ahmed Johnson. And it was a full house in which Mark Henry explained is that didn't mean sold out. It was backstage language for everybody backstage was at the curtain watching the match. So the bell rings and Farouk stomps him out. <laughs> like, doesn't give him any offense, stomps him out. The ref stops the match. And after that, Ahmed Johnson is taken off TV and eventually released. <laughs> Thank you, Farouk. <laughs> yes, Farouk is the man. Uh, uh, but yeah, we get back at the show. What, what was next? Uh, so, we did have another segment. It was uh, Chris Jericho getting... Oh yeah, his backstage promo. I, I guess. He said, shut up, Mitchell but... Cole. 
<laughs> but all I got from this was uh, Chris Jericho promoting the XFL, which yeah, I can't believe this was two thousand and one, and then this was happening again last year. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but dog, this listen, this match is like, yeah, Vince McMahon wants you to be the referee for X Pac versus Eddie Guerrero. I was like, yo, this is sick. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we get to the match. Um, obviously, Eddie and X Pac are like. Easily two of the best ever. Okay, so, of course there were going to be shenanigans. We expected that because, you know, Jericho's the ref. But Eddie and X-Pac come out here and have a really good match for what they are given. Like, and then, like X-Pac... incredible shows up. <laughs> okay, we'll get, we'll get to just incredible. But, like, X-Pac was... Okay, Eddie, obviously one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Yeah. And then X-Pac was the guy uh, who basically was the vote of confidence, like... If they wanted to test a guy out, they send him out there with Xbox, and if he did bad, he would get fired, or he just wasn't ready. Uh, so they go out here, they kill it. Eddie does this sick, like, Xbox is hanging in the middle rope, and he does this sick, like, slingshot, zigzag-like move, and it's, like, so cool. Uh, but eventually, yeah, Just Incredible shows up, and I'm like, oh my I god, X-Factor! <laughs> I said, oh my god, I forgot about X-Factor, I was like, oh, this is so sick. But Jericho gets the upper hand, so we think. And then Chris Benoit shows up and DDT them. It's like, <laughs> dog, you're in the main event. What are you doing here? It's like, I love it at this point as well. Like, um, this is something they don't really do anymore, but they have wrestlers a part of like 10 stories at once. Yeah, yeah. So, like, Benoit was every, everywhere. He yeah. was like in the main event scene, he was feuding with. He was the IC uh, guy. Yeah, he was an IC guy feeding with Jericho and Eddie, and he was doing like the radicals thing. And where does this Man Eddie? <laughs> where does this Eddie Guerrero rank in your favorite variants of Eddie Guerrero? Uh, ooh. this is good. This is not Mamacita Latino Heat, but this is yeah. still Latino Heat. Uh, I'd I'd rank him like. Say third. Yeah, yeah. That's Obviously, fair. like WWE title Eddie is my favorite. That was Mon's like... D- WCW heel against Guerrero and like Halloween Havoc. I mean, not Guerrero, uh, Mysterio, Halloween Havoc. Yeah, that'd like, be my just, second. Because that entrance alone, he's like the coolest wrestler of all time. He's just got the belt thrown over his shoulder, like not like carrying it like over his shoulder, but like tossed it behind him like it's just like a backpack or something it's like looks evil uh but yeah yeah i think the the only reason that wwe title eddie will edge that one out is because that's when i was like i remember wrestling yeah Yeah. i've been watching wrestling since i was home from the hospital basically but yeah yeah same yeah um but i (laughs) believe I believe Jericho and Benoit are the IC title program for Mania that year. Maybe. Uh, because I know Eddie wins the European title from Test uh, at Mania. And then uh, Angle, I thought it was Angle Benoit, but that's, uh, I want to say that's next year. Uh... Or no, no. Uh, Angle and Benoit is this year because Benoit like breaks his neck later this year. And uh, they do, like, Kane versus Angle next year at Mania for some reason. 
but yeah, those like all the storylines you're hearing, only like a few of them lead to WrestleMania. They all change like after this pay per view. Yeah, I think that's something as well that like WWE doesn't do anymore is that stories end at pay per views. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, No Way Out's not really like a big pay per view, but they made it feel like it was because I'm pretty sure Rock wins the belt. Uh, at the pay-per-view. If he doesn't, it's shortly yeah. after because he goes in to face Austin. So Yeah, that was um, yeah, that was the event where he won the okay. title for the Austin match. But like, yeah. I'm pretty sure like Up until like 2005 No Way Out was like a very important pay-per-view. Yeah, because after that it was just like everything was you have like the Rumble and some of the songs of obviously because No Way Out eventually became SmackDown's pay per view. And like, uh, well, next year, 2002, the NWO show up. Uh, in 2003, uh, that's where no Eddie wins about the following year. Uh, 2003 is basically building to WrestleMania. Uh, 2003, I think it's still a double co branded pay per view because I believe they do a Rock versus Hogan match that year uh, to back up the 2002 uh, Mania yeah. match. Uh, but 2004, uh, Eddie wins the belt, and they do, like, the triple threat with Cena, Big Show, and Angle to set up the WWE title and U.S. title programs. Like, it was an important pay-per-view for a little while until it just wasn't. And now, like, every pay-per-view apart from, like, WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble. Dog, even that is nothing. Okay. <laughs> That was true. <laughs> like, none of the pay-per-view matters, and I think that's a big thing. Like, I have a million things to criticize AEW about, but the pay-per-views feel like it matters. Yeah, that's true. But, like, with WWE, it's just, like, you, you're just waiting until the next WrestleMania, basically. Mm-hmm. Which, that's, that's, that's not why I watch wrestling for. <laughs> I'm not watching I want to be excited about shows. For a year. Yeah. So what happened after this? Did was it a backstage segment? Um, my notes kind of go all over the place. There was a promo for Stone Cold and Triple H, three stages of Hell match and No Way Out. Yeah, that that was kind of a thing. Um, I think this was the first one they did. I think it was, but I don't, you know what? As well, WWE's promo packages it used to be. So fire, fire! Like Dude. it made me genuinely hyped to watch that match. I was like, "Damn, I we're gonna do video packages." No <laughs> Our company, we're gonna do video packages. This is all copyrighted music. Just everything. <laughs> it's gonna be heavy two thousand and one vibes. Yeah, like full like two world title tournament metal. finals. <laughs> Limp biscuit in the background. We're going crazy. Um, I. Don't remember if there was a match after that, but there was a. I'll I'll go to the matches anyway. There was a tag match with the Hardy Boys versus Haku and Rikishi. This Dude, this is so wild, sick. <laughs> Haku and Rikishi as a tag team is so sick, actually. Like, okay, I honestly think if Rikishi just got like tights that covered his ginormous backside that this hill run would have actually not been terrible because I thought him and Haku was a sick team. I can't believe they didn't get the tag belts. 
because Haku still ruled even at this stage where he was like kind of almost out of wrestling. Dude just looked sick. He was a big dude who was legitimately tough. Like their stories all about Haku being like the toughest dude alive. Yeah. Uh, the Hardys, of course, this was before, you know, injuries piled up. So they were really good bumping all over the place. Yeah, this is when uh, Jeff Hardy was probably like the sexiest man in America. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching this match, and I was just like, how is Haku's son's god-awful, but he ruled so much? <laughs> uh, that's, that's so true. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I thought this was a fun tag match. I thought, like I said, I don't know how they didn't do more with this Rikishi and Haku tag team, because they just, like, turn Rikishi back face and, like, fire Haku later this year. Uh, I think that's that stupid. Wild. It's so stupid, because this tag team had legs to it, because there is a history, their family... And they worked really well together. They were all good wrestlers. Like, everybody in this match, really good wrestler at this point. Uh, but to be fair, if this tag team was around now, something probably would have happened. They'd be, like, multi-time tag champions. Dog, if they were around now in a company, they would be the perfect tag team to have for any company. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like, them, especially in, like, a Puro setting, which Haku, of course, wrestled a lot in Japan. It'd have been sick, uh, but I thought the finish of this match was really good because it didn't make anybody look weak. Because Rikishi received the twist of fate and the uh, swanton, then as the ref was trying to get Matt out of the ring, Haku comes in and does the headbutt to the back of Jeff Hardy's head, and Rikishi gets the win. And then they start attacking them after Hardy started attacking them. They're the faces here, and then Haku gets them both in the Tongan death grip and just lays them out. I love what? that. <laughs> this, this was legitimately, I don't know how you do tag matches every week on current WWE and none of them are as good as this. Yeah, like this match was literally like, what, less than five minutes? And yes. It, it told you everything you needed to know. Yeah. It put over both guys, it, it put over both tag teams and it made Haku and Rikishi like beasts. <laughs> like, why can't you do this? <laughs> I guess maybe it's just tag wrestling doesn't matter in WWE. I think that's just a reoccurring theme. Yeah, that, that's probably it, honestly. Back then, they had a respect for it, but now, oh, no. Um, so, after that, I literally have no idea the order of anything. Uh, there was another segment with APA and the cat at strip club. And then the right to censor show up. <laughs> I was like, yo... These guys, I forgot about them. And then, did they, like, kidnap the cat or something? Yes. They put APA yeah. through a table, and they kidnapped the cat. Love that. Um, don't, I, can't, I don't know the order for anything, but um, I think after this, it was Edge and Christian uh, destroying yeah. the Undertaker's motorbike, and then they blamed it on the Dudleys. They tricked then... the Dudleys into coming out for a fight after they had destroyed the bike, and then they sent a ring crew member to go tell Undertaker that the Dudleys were destroying the bike. And yeah. so when Taker came out and saw the bike, it was just Dudleys there, which is a big-brained idea, actually. Um, <laughs> and they started brawling, and the Dudleys took out... Uh, Undertaker and then Edge and Christian concertoed Kane. So 
basically the story was they were just trying to get take down Undertaker and Kane because they're obviously the biggest threats in the match. Even though the match at No Way Out, I'm pretty sure it was a tables match, so surely the Dudleys would be the biggest threat, but... Well, yes and no. Because you got to remember, like, the year before this, like, I'm pretty sure for almost all of 2001, Taker and Kane were both WWF and WCW tag champs. Yeah, I think they were. I know know they definitely held them both at one point. Then they lost them, like, Booker T and Test. It was funny. (laughs) I don't remember that. Yeah. Um... I know after... I think after this, the right to censor show up in the arena and Jerry Lawler is like, why won't you let my wife get naked? <laughs> Classic Jerry Lawler. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, who wrote this? <laughs> probably Jerry Lawler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, so that, that happened at one point. Then they have a match at, well, they set up a, no, a match for No Way Out. Um, if right to censor win, I think the cast are join. And then if Jerry and the cat win, and the cat can get naked. <laughs> oh yeah, you know Jerry Lawler went over. <laughs> <laughs> um, then at some point, uh, I can't remember which happened first, but I'll, I'll say Triple H and Stephanie were backstage. Can't remember what happened. I think Stephanie said she's gonna go out and yeah, she's gonna get some things off her chest, and then Stone Cold stunned her. Um... Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, that's what it was, because um, Stephanie and Triple H were supposed to fight Trish Will Regal. Will Regal. Yeah. Match never happened. Uh, Stephanie cut a promo um, ahead of No Way Out match with Trish Stratus, mm-hmm. which I, I remember that match, and I think it was fucking wild. They were, like, fighting all over the arena, I'm pretty sure. I swear it's that much. Okay, so I had this WWF hardcore, D- hardcore title DVD, and there was, like, this backstage hardcore match with, like, I think, like, Tori and uh, Ivory, maybe? It was Ivory and somebody, and they were, like, fighting everywhere backstage. It was so sick. <laughs> I could find it. But, uh. uh Yeah, so it was just basically saying... Um, like hyping up their match, how mm-hmm. Trish is trying to bang Vince McMahon, I guess, and mm-hmm. Linda McMahon's on a load of drugs, so she doesn't realize. Uh, yeah, that was a very terrible storyline. <laughs> this aged like milk. It, it was bad at the time. <laughs> but yeah, Stephanie basically said, uh, Trish, get your hands off my man, her man being her dad. <laughs> Oh, no, because uh, when Triple H uh, got dropped from the bulldozer thing, uh, they did, had that, like, one wall. No, it was actually, it might have been the year before when they were doing, like, the McMahon-Helmsley era or whatever. Um, but I remember, like, Trish was treat, uh, teaching Triple H yoga, and, like, she ended up being, like, bent over in front of him, and, like, Stephanie came in, and she was very mad. Yeah, I remember that. I can't remember where whenabouts that was but I think basically everything just led up to the No Way Out match and yeah. then there was a whole big McMahon feud heading into Wrestlemania but 
uh, yeah, anyways, Stone Cold comes out, and uh, it's with a Stone Cold stunner, breaks her neck, essentially. <laughs> and uh, that means that we're not going to be seeing the uh, match, and it cuts to another backstage segment. Oh my god, you know what I just remembered? <laughs> The evasion angle hasn't happened yet. This is 2001. Oh, so oh was it this, not? Oh, yeah, no. This yeah, because well. they do Shane and Vince at Mania, and that's when the WCW guys were supposed to debut, and then Sean Stajak was like, yeah, we're going to be at Mania, and they, like, made him an idiot for it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, like, Taker and Kane don't hold the tag titles till like, later this year. So, yeah, okay. Oh, wow. All right, yeah, everything lines um... up. Because Triple H gets hurt because they end up doing the two-man power trip after Mania. Oh, yeah. Because I have, like, the DVD of Backlash where, like, uh, the two-man power trip win the tag titles and, like, Jericho and Benoit win, like, this tag gauntlet and get the tag title shot where Triple H gets hurt. I thought that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, the match is off. Trish uh, thinks this is hilarious. And uh, William Regal's like, uh, you know what, I think we should go. Yeah, Steve <laughs> Austin is... Uh, speaking of things that aged like milk, he was like, yeah, with Steve Austin attacking young ladies, uh, we should get out of here. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and this was, like, right around that time as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, there was also, I obviously, I'm completely lost on the order. There was a... A hardcore title match as well with Raven, Crash and Raven. Crash it was yeah. sick. Okay, I really the can't tell you everything that happened. <laughs> yeah, I really can't tell you everything because so much happened, but it was awesome. I wish the hardcore title was around, and so I wish some company did the hardcore title and did it like this because it was so sick. This is like what the twenty four seven title was like trying to be, but but no way, no way. Yeah, they could not replicate this raven had a ninja um uh, rumor Crash has it it's akira tozawa but that's what i'm hearing Probably. from that i feel like it was i don't know i think i'm confusing this with the tna story but i feel like it was victoria it's probably not but i think it was terry runnels because uh during the evasion uh they give perry saturn the uh concussion gimmick because oh, the yeah. CTE gimmick because he like mercs a job guy for stiffing him on like a B show and Terry eventually becomes uh, Raven's girlfriend or whatever so I think it's her maybe I don't know I think I'm probably confusing it with that storyline they did on TNA with Victoria but maybe but yeah so um, it was it was fucking wild uh, Raven and the Ninja Lady get in the car. Uh, Crash and Molly Holly follow them. The big show's in pursuit of the car. And they kind of just drive off. Uh, they kick Crash and Molly out, and Raven and the Ninja get safety from the big show. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no matter what WWE tells you, Crash Ollie was the greatest hardcore champion ever. Yeah, he was. he's so underrated. I feel like nobody talks about how good he was. Dog, he had a hardcore title defense. I think it was against the Mean Street Posse or the Headbangers, one of the two, inside of like this uh, Chucky, this basically early days Chucky e. Cheese like place. So great. <laughs> um, and then I feel like that was it for the segments. Yeah. Uh, 
so we went into the main event with Steve Austin and The Rock versus Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle. Triple H was on commentary. They had this kind of thing going where Triple H couldn't attack Stone Cold and Stone Cold couldn't attack Triple H heading mm-hmm. into No Way Out, which <laughs> it's WWE, so obviously, you know, nothing matters. But yeah, the greatest tag team main event in Raw history, in my opinion. <laughs> this was so loaded. And like, like the fact that it's like all these big names as well, and it was eleven minutes. More of this. <laughs> Dog, like ha. Eleven minutes being a main event nowadays is like unheard of. <laughs> I mean, it's like I think the Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins match was like seventeen minutes from yeah, see. the past Raw. Yeah. No. I bet it wasn't as nearly as good as this one. I mean, probably not, if I'm honest. Like, crazy thing is, they didn't even do too much crazy stuff, but, like, the atmosphere, crazy, did everything they could to make the match exciting for what they had to work with. I think that was the thing with, like, I know wrestling at this point, at least with WWE, was, like, at its most mainstream popular and like Mm -hmm. the crowd was absolutely fucking hyped up 24-7 but like you don't hear crowds like this now in my opinion like Mm -hmm. the pop that um, Austin and The Rock and even Benoit and Angle get is just something unheard of now Mm -hmm. unless it's like stone cold returning yeah it's this was crazy. Uh basically it was just a big build up. Uh of course I got SmackDown with them this week, but this was Raw was the bigger show, so it was the big build up for uh the go home for No Way Out. I believe Angle and Benwell then did they win? Or I don't remember. Uh Austin and the Rock win. I okay. can't remember how. Like, I'd imagine. I'd, I wrote imagine, notes of the segments. Don't expect yeah. anything more of me. <laughs> I'd imagine Triple H jumped uh, Austin afterwards. Uh, I think something. I remember something happening, and then Triple H gave him the middle finger, like "fuck you," and yeah. then left. <laughs> you know what's funny? Austin is going to fight for the title at Mania, and Triple H still beat him at No Way Out. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> uh, Triple H said, "Yeah, that doesn't work for me, brother." <laughs> Honestly, this era of Triple H is my favorite. Like, so we won. I was a Triple H fan, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I was until it was boring. But he yeah. still got like another two years before he's born. So yeah, after like 2004, not so much. But th- this era of Triple H is great. No matter what you say, I'm probably gonna get cancelled on Twitter now. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we had a blast watching Raw. Hopefully, we can watch some more old shows in the future if we figure out a way. This one, we were lucky to find on a very legal site and, like, VC- VHS quality. So, Yeah, I love that old uh, Sky Sports recording. It's still better than most Ice Ribbon shows we watched as far as quality-wise, so it's fine. Yeah, it was, it was about the same as, like, Ice Ribbon recording on Yappy's phone. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully, we can watch more of these because these shows rule. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm sure there's more like random episodes of Raw and SmackDown from like 2001 that were absolutely crazy. No, oh, definitely has to. Uh, but man, I didn't expect us to take as much time as we did talking about those shows. But God, they just unlocked so many memories. Uh, next week, we're getting right back into our big shows grind. We actually got like two weeks of them, honestly, because we have a. Uh, TJPW at Ryogoku tonight. Tomorrow, DDT at Ryogoku. Noah, uh, Fujita versus Masato Tanaka on Monday. And then the following week, we have the two-day show for uh, Stardom. And then we have uh, Ganbari with uh, Takaiwa and Tominaga for the Ganbari title. Got a lot. Got a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a point where we can watch random episodes of WWE. What you know, I don't completely hate the next two weeks' worth of wrestling, so yeah, I think they're all good shows. Yeah, I think they're all good shows. She just, oh yeah, she just gonna be on one of these Ice Ribbon shows. We'll have to eventually catch it. Oh yeah, she's gonna be on Tokyo Joshi Pro Show as well. Yeah, Tokyo Joking Pro. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, love that. <laughs> yeah, well, if well, somebody needs to get her to start them, so. AW can work with Stardom and get them some exposure. Yeah, open that Stardom door. Yeah. Let's say open the Stardom gate. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not their thing, and it will <laughs> never be their thing. <laughs> open the Stardom gate. Yeah, no. I'm not going to do that to the good company that has Yuki Yoshioka. <laughs> um, but yeah, got a lot of stuff. I mean, excited, scared. Because I know these shows are going to be long. <laughs> yeah, looking looking forward to that two day stardom show. <laughs> oh my god! You know, hey, uh, that's going to be. What? We'll survive. Uh, sorry about the audio. I am in my room, so I got my air conditioning and fan on, and I will be at the new house as next week rolls around, and I will have braces next week. So hopefully, I don't sound weird. Hopefully uh, next week I won't be coughing. It'll be a test because well. I'm getting my braces the day before we record, so let's see. Uh, Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if I'm over here, if I got a list for y'all, leave me alone, okay? I'll tell you that. <laughs> Just bully them back. Yeah. I'm like, hey, y'all don't leave me alone. Anyway, we're going to continue to do our half assed best, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>